Good morning, family. Let's try that again. Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. You know, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online, this is going to be a special time in God's presence together. You know, John 1 tells us that the true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. And to as many as received him, as many that believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's good news. <laughs> you know, that's good news because our identity, if you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is no longer defined by sin, guilt, and shame. You are forever a part of God's family. That's worthy of celebrating, don't you think? Well, let's stand and do that together.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. We're gonna start this service out a little different. Everybody, please, I want you to think about the last time you went out to dinner. In the last 10 months, you have become very aware of contactless menus. If you don't know what that is, you will be introduced today. You're gonna take your camera. I want everybody to do this with me. Everyone live here and also you online, let's just have some fun. So I want you to take out your camera, go to camera, and I want you to turn and do this on your laptop at home or do this on your TV. See if it works, I think it will. Go right here, ah, little website QR code, click. You now have the fellowship menu. Everything that we're about to talk about is on there, and if for some reason that's not the way you wanna do it, fellowshiprogers.org backslash news will get you there. And it's got everything you need to connect here at Fellowship Bible Church. We're living in a weird time where we more than ever need the body of Christ. We need community, amen? Y'all with me? We need community. That's one way you can connect is by going to our website and finding out how you can connect with community groups. Please do that. This morning, in the last three weeks, we've been doing this takeover Sunday morning service. We started with the healing that comes with Celebrate Recovery. We highly value that at Fellowship Bible Church. The second week, the message of Jesus Christ through global missions. Last Sunday, we talked about how parents and our church can come together to disciple the kids of this church to follow Jesus through our family ministry. And you're sitting here this morning, and this is called Marriage Ministry Takeover. Y'all ready? Okay. We at Fellowship highly value healthy marriages, and we wanna support you in healthy marriages. This is my buddy, my partner in crime, not a lot of crime, <laughs> and my teammate, Jimmy Cummings, and he, we, talk, we do marriage together and we lead Merge for Me. It's an eight-week premarital counseling experience. I do that, and then Jimmy with Reengage is gonna take us from here. Simon, I'm so grateful to get to partner with you and so many other leaders at Fellowship to help encourage and support healthy marriages. And like he said, one of the ways in which we do that here at Fellowship is through a ministry called Reengage. It's a 16-week marriage enrichment experience and I'm excited that later in this service, you and I are gonna get to unpack more about Merge and re-engage with uh, John Barclay. But first up, we have some ministry highlights that we wanna run through with you. Uh, starting off with the, uh, the uh, Training Center team has put together some online independent classes for us this semester beginning in February. Now these classes are to help us stir up our affection and our love for God and his word, and so the classes are on the screen and you can follow those links to find out more information or to sign up. Hey, January 31st, we're gonna have a family worship service right here in this auditorium at 4 p.m. So you're gonna need to go online and uh, save a seat uh, for your family and then come ready to worship the Lord together with other families. Simon. Please come to that family worship, it's gonna be good. Uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is right now, this Sunday. And this is National 
with lots of churches all over the world, and we at Fellowship, we value all life. So we highly value life in the womb, and one way that you could be a part of that, a practical way that we've done in the past, is loving choices. You might be familiar with the baby bottle campaign, and the baby bottle campaign is on pause right now, but we're hoping that it's back in the near future. But please go to the website for Loving Choices, partner with them here in Northwest Arkansas, because we're all about life, all, all life. Let me pray. Let's pause this morning, and I would like to pray the words of David as he talked to God in a very intimate way. Let's pray. God, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God, let your will be done in this service. Amen. as a family to worship. It is right and it is appropriate that we sing songs that remind us of who God is and what he's done in our lives. It's right that we sing songs that are grounded in his truth, grounded in his promises because our God is faithful to his promises. And so when we sing about the incomparable grace of Jesus Christ that he has shown us and how he's lifted our shame, Romans 8, 1 and 2 tells us that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And when we celebrate how he has drawn us with his loving kindness, Romans 2, 4 reminds us that he, it's his kindness that leads us, that draws us to repentance. In King David, in Psalm 63, he sings, how he seeks the one true God earnestly, how his soul thirsts for God in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Why? Because the loving kindness of our God is better than life. And so David's response is praise. And so when we sing about how we've been washed whiter than snow, the Lord says in Isaiah 118, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, I will make them like wool, white as wool. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sin, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we sing of how we've been redeemed and made whole. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with His riches of God's grace. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 promises us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, we have been made whole, and that's worthy of celebration, don't you think? Let's stand as a family and celebrate this. Oh, 
You know, family, as we prepare to dive into God's Word and to explore what it looks like for the love, the incredible love that Christ has for His church to be expressed in and through our marriages, it's a good opportunity for us to remember, to remember and celebrate God's incredible love in our lives. You game? That was weak. You game to celebrate the incredible love of our God? Yeah? Let's, let's stand and do that.
Lord, you have paid the debt that we could never pay, something we could never earn. We praise you for that, Lord Jesus. We engage with you today because you made a way for us and remind us of your great love with which you loved us and bought us back through your blood. Lord, may we experience today all that you have for us and glorify your Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. At its core, Merge is just about explaining God's purpose for marriage and the foundation for marriage. And I think that that was such a light bulb moment for me on how he is planning me in this relationship to glorify him. Every week got important to us to do the homework, do the discussions. And I think just going through that together was just it just got better and better. The reason we did it was to grow closer in our relationship with God, not only as individuals, but as a couple. You know, Mason had his relationship and I had mine with Jesus and how we prayed and spoke to them. And it was always kind of the separate form of communication for us. And I think going into it, my main goal or our main goal was that I wanted it to be a union of our love for God and that we were on the same page with that, but just how do we form that together? At the beginning of like an engagement and marriage, you feel like everything is just going great and perfect and you, we just learned that that's not always going to be the case so just going through merge kind of even just helped us kind of hey you'll go through some conflicts and I feel like me and Julie have done okay in the past but that just grew that we're okay to talk with each other and talk out. It's just a great way to meet some good people, grow closer to God and just grow closer to um, your partner and just kind of learn about each other and just kind of go through steps of marriage that gets, gets you ready for marriage. We got involved um, a couple years ago. We've done, you know, a few groups and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fun thing for us to do. You know, we've been married for a number of years and we can be around younger couples that have a certain energy about them that's really good. It kind of gives us energy and, you know, we can, share some mistakes that we've made, so maybe they don't have make those mistakes and share some wisdom maybe that we have. And I always learn something as we go through the study and you know, it kind of just you know, refreshes me on things that I need to do to build a better marriage. We do feel like we have something to give. Being married over 10 years, we have learned a lot. Um, we've had other people pour into us and we see how that's really impacted our um, relationship with each other and with Christ and we feel like Starting a relationship this way can only benefit these people and we feel like we, we can add some value to that. So the leaders are growing and the people that are attending are growing and I mean, why not do it? The engagement of everyone mm -hmm. in the group, I just thought it was really good. I mean, everybody talked, everybody spoke up, gave answers. You didn't have a bunch of quiet people and then one talker or a bunch of talkers and one quiet person. I mean, everybody kind of gave in. It felt very natural, very real. And so I think, you know, that was probably the highlight for me. We enjoyed merge and going every, in all the discussions and going every Sunday that we asked like, hey, is there a part two of merge? Yeah. And everyone told us that Like the that's senior class or something? Yeah, is there a senior level merge class? And that started with community group. We talked about joining a community group and then Justin and Lauren texted us and that even made it More. easier to yeah. like, hey, let's start a community group with this merge group. 
learning people's heart for Jesus and their heart for Jesus and their relationship and how that might be different from Mason and I or you know the different experiences that we bring to the table was so important to us. I think that that you know getting in the car right after the the class was that was something we always talked about was just you know like where we were at in comparison like what perspective they brought that we would have never been able to get if we didn't come and meet these people. Now that we've learned so much from Merge like I you know, can't encourage people enough to sign up for it. And then also just in a small group, I do love feeling like I'm adding some sort of value or that Mason and I are adding some sort of value with the lessons that we've learned or what have you to other people. And I think that's so important. Merge has helped me, it helped remind me that the foundation of the marriage is Jesus and nothing else matters other than that. That is the most important thing. Merge is a really good place to like come and like really dig deep in like these really hard things you know and like put things in perspective like it's a wedding it's like super exciting and like we can pick out all the napkins and the invitation and like that matters but what really matters is like how we start our family and they cared and when they care it makes you be like okay this is worth my time you know and i felt like every week it was fruitful Well, today is the fourth and final week of our ministries at Fellowship taking over our service, and I hope you've enjoyed it, different ministries taking over. Next week, Sam Hannon's gonna launch our Joshua series, so we're headed into the book of Joshua next week, but today, today we're talking about marriage, and our marriage ministries are taking over this service. So for those of you not married, please don't tune it out, uh, If you find, because someday you may find yourself married. And, and also, you have married friends who need your encouragement and support and advice. If you're single, you are incredibly important, and you are a strategic part of this church. I'll talk about more of that in just a moment. For those of you married, I have a pop quiz for you. And, and here's the quiz. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your marriage right now? Now, don't turn to your spouse. I see some of you looking. Don't. This is just for you. On a scale of one to 10, one being we're really struggling, we need help, and 10 being I feel like I'm married to Jesus, how would you rate your marriage right now? Well, in Genesis chapter two, we see that God instituted marriage as holy, but oftentimes in reality, we find it very hard, don't we? That marriage at its best times can be awesome, but at its, its, its most hard times can be awkward. And you have challenging things go on. You may be surprised to learn that we're not so concerned about what number you just listed. Whether you're a two or an eight, what we're most concerned about is that you are headed in the right direction. That you're growing in your marriage towards marital oneness. And oftentimes, it's a, it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of growth. The, uh, we are a church that loves marriage. We love to see marriages launch well. We love to see marriages thrive and not just survive. And it's the, it's the reason that in the last five years, we've launched two new marriage ministries in the context of our adult community ministry. As you've heard, merge is for premarital, those are those seriously dating or engaged, and then there's re-engaged for the rest of us. It's, a, it's an enrichment ministry for the rest of us. And we are a church that loves marriage, but we also love the Bible, and so we're gonna take just a few minutes today in our marriage takeover and look and see what the Bible says about marriage. 
So Genesis chapter two, verse 24, I believe is the most foundational verse in all of scripture about marriage. It's the one that when Jesus talks about marriage, he refers to it. When the apostle Paul talks about marriage, he refers to it. So we're gonna take some time today and look at this verse. If it's not new for you, I encourage you to look at it with new and fresh eyes. Genesis chapter two, verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Here's what you're gonna see. You're gonna see four commitments come out here. And the first one comes out, it says, that is why, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. So there's a reason that they leave their, their home, their family they grew up in. And so we've gotta look back at the previous verses to see why. So a little bit of a review of Genesis one and two is first, God creates everything and pronounces it good. You might remember he creates the light, it's good, and the sea and the land, it's good, the plants and the trees, and they're good, and the, the moon and the stars, and they're good, the animals, and they're good, and then he creates humanity alone, and what does he say? It's not good. In Genesis chapter two, verse 18, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. There's no suitable helper found for him. I know that word helper in our culture, it kind of has a negative connotation like your mommy or daddy's little helper, right? That's not what it is in the biblical text. It's actually a highly esteemed word. It's a highly honored word. It's actually a word used for God himself. And so God creates woman. You can kind of imagine it this way, that Adam is, is naming the animals. You probably, in the evening, he's sitting around the campfire you're trying to have community with the animals, trying to process the day with them. How do you think that went? I don't know about you, but all I get at home from my dog is a, a wagging tail, and that's about it. She, she kind of knows her name. It'd be hard to have community, and so Adam's alone, and God says it's not good for man to be alone, so he creates the woman, and Adam's response is this. I believe the New Living Translation captures it the best. He says, at last, at last, somebody to process life with, somebody to do community with. Actually, Eve would be the first member of the community group. It's Adam's co-leader. At last, somebody to partner in life with. And so there's the first commitment you see. It's a commitment to receive the mate that God brings you. Like Adam and Eve, we all need to receive the one God brings us, and I know that's gonna beg the question for those of you who are dating or maybe are interested in dating, how do I know they're the one? Hey, come to Merge. We'd love to tell you. We'd love to help you figure that out. Now, I, I, I don't, there's really no magic formula. I'll give you these two words, though, commitment and compatibility. There's no list, but, but are, are you are they committed and are they, are you and them, compatible? You see, there's this, there needs to be this compatibility. It doesn't matter whether they're different than you. It doesn't matter whether they're like you. It's, is, are they bringing wind to your sail? Do they encourage you? Are they a big supporter of you? Hey, a word for singles here. Sometimes in church, we actually value, it seems like, I'm sorry, it seems like we value marriage more than singleness. And if you look in the Bible, that's not necessarily true. In the Bible, God shows that marriage is very valued, but singleness is also valued. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul actually says there's a strategicness to singleness. 
that you don't have some of the encumbrances that others have in life. So if you're here today and you're single, you are valued. We need you in this church. We need you to serve in this church and be a strategic part of this church. But verse 24 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. So we get the, the second commitment there. In addition to receiving the spouse that God brings you, there's also a separating going on. It's a separating from the family you grew up in. And this, this seems like the most obvious commitment here, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like it's that big a deal or that hard. You, you just separate from the family you grew up in, right? But there always seems like there's a friction and you understand this because in our culture, why is the term in-law so often a negative connotation, right? It's negative for some reason because there is a grinding there. We've got to figure out how to, how to be the, the biggest cheerleaders. I'm not an in-law yet. I don't have any kids that are married, so I don't have a lot of advice for it. But I do know that we need to be big cheerleaders for those who are getting married. And then those who are getting married need to highly respect their elders and their family. So commitment number two is leave. And then we also see commitment number three. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. So commitment number three is a cleaving together or a uniting together. It it's literally means, that word means to adhere like glue. The ESV says hold fast. The New American Standard says join together. But it's a, it's a, it's a bond that's meant to never come apart. I love marriage ceremonies. We, we get to stand in front of the, the bride and the groom, and, and uh, they used to be in churches. Now they're all in barns, it seems like, but they're standing in front of the bride and the groom, and, and coming into the marriage ceremony, you have a he and you have a she. And then afterwards, you have just us because they become one flesh. You know, there's a cultural attack on marriage, and I believe it's because of this that, that our culture doesn't understand the Christian view of marriage. And the Christian view of marriage is really simple. It's really simple. And God, who created marriage, is pretty smart. And, he, and it, he, he, it's because of a covenant. And this covenant actually is the deepest driver of intimacy in a marriage. You see, our culture would say, well, no, it's it's these passions and these feelings, but what you understand is passions and feelings come, and they are helpful, and they are fun, but they come and go. And so to understand this covenant, or this Christian view of marriage, you have to understand the difference between consumer relationship and a covenant relationship. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, retail experts in the room, and so I probably don't have a lot to teach you, but let me, let me illustrate it this way. So I love to shop at Lowe's. I try to do a lot of home improvements. I'm not that great at it, but I like to do home improvement. And so I, I like Lowe's. They've got an app that tells you what you bought. They, they have a 5% discount. I, I like the merchandise. I like the color blue. And so I shop at Lowe's. Every chance I get, I'll drive right past Home Depot to get to Lowe's every time. But what happens if I'm shopping at Lowe's and I find a better price at the Home Depot? I go over here and shop. And that's a consumer relationship, that I love you as long as you're meeting my needs, but when I find somebody to meet my needs at a lower price, when I find a better deal over here, I'm shopping over here. And it's very different in a covenant relationship. A covenant relationship says, I'm shopping here no matter what. I'm committed to you. Even if I see a better price over here, even if I see a better deal, I'm with you. And that, my friends, is the deepest 
driver of intimacy in the world. And our culture doesn't understand that. Our culture thinks that, that passions and feelings drive intimacy. And they do. They're helpful, but they're not the deepest driver of intimacy. Because passions come and they go. And then they come again and then they go again. They, they come and they go. And the problem with that is, what do you do when the passion goes away for a while? Do you go shop somewhere else? No. You stay right here because this is a covenant relationship. It's illustrated in our marriage ceremonies to have and to hold for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in, yeah, to love and cherish till death do us part. It's, a, it's, a, it's an adhering. It's a uniting. It's like glue, now, I want to say a, a word on divorce here. Fellowship, we hold to a, a conservative, biblical view of divorce and remarriage. But we also have a passion for all people. If you are divorced or have been impacted by divorce, we love you. Matter of fact, we love you so much. We, in the Counseling Center, we have an incredible divorce recovery program led by some incredible couples who have experienced that. We are a church. We want to support you and we love you. For a word for struggling marriages. If you're married, if you're here today and your marriage is struggling, we want to help you. And hopefully you've seen through this series that, that we've, we've made it clear that it's okay to not be okay. But you've got to raise your hand. You've got to say, hey, we need help. And let your community group leader or your mentor or, or, or a church staff person or somebody at the counseling center know, let us help you. Come to re-engage. We would love to help. Consumer relationships are based on my needs. Covenant relationships are based on the commitment to one another. And that's what the writer of Genesis is saying here when he says this word united. It, it means to adhere. You know, I was shopping at my favorite home improvement store the other day, Lowe's. And I am an end cap shopper. I'm a marketer's dream. And so there's this end cap and there's this big tube of glue. I mean, it's like, it's like, looks like caulk. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, I need to glue something. And it says construction adhesive. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do a little construction. So I pick up the tube and I'm carrying it around the store. And guys are looking at me like, man, you're going to glue something, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to glue something. And, you know, kind of nodding our heads at each other. And then I realize after about 10 minutes, I don't need this much glue. It's like an $11 bottle of glue. And so I was like, ah, I probably should go get a smaller bottle. So I go to the glue aisle, and I'm looking at the glue aisle, and, and the guy from Lowe's comes and helps me. He says, well, what do you want to do? I said, I need something. I don't need a lot of glue, but I need it to hold tight. You've got to understand my kids. They're going to break it again. And he said, this is what you need. It's, it comes in two parts. There's one part that's the hardener, and you can figure out who in the relationship is that. There's the other part that's the resin, and, and apart, they're not sticky at all. But you get a paper plate, and you mix them together, and 15 minutes later, it's never coming apart. And that's what this word united or cleave is like. And that's that third commitment. It's, it's, you're cleaving to this other person for life. He did ask me a question. He said, well, do you want the one that holds 4,000 pounds or 5,000 pounds? I said, for 75 cents more, let's do the 5,000 pound one. My kids are pretty strong and destructive. So we got the 5,000 pound glue, I think, there. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. There's commitment number four. 
this becoming of one flesh. So what does that mean? See, not only is this verse the foundation for marriage, it's actually also the formula for marriage. And here's the marriage math formula. So marriage math is a little bit different. You take one plus one equals one. You take one man plus one woman and they become one flesh. It's very different from the world, but it's very important that we understand it. And you may have the question, okay, so does that mean when we get married, we're, we're hitched, we're one flesh, or does that mean we're growing and eventually gonna be one flesh? And I would say the answer to both those questions is yes. It's an already not yet kind of thing. It's, it's when you get married, when you say I do, positionally, you're united, you're glued together. But practically speaking, it doesn't really feel like it, does it? It feels awkward. And so you're growing towards this oneness that oftentimes is two steps forward, one step back. It's two steps forward and one step back again. It's an already not yet kind of thing. Mark Schatzman, uh, one of our speakers at Reengage, also one of the pastors here, he's got a great line. He says, soulmates are made, not born. You don't marry your soulmate. The person you marry is this best friend that comes along and, and you, you're getting along really well and you're starting to realize you're compatible. Hey, this person can handle commitments. I really like spending time with them. Plus, I'm attracted to them. I think this thing could work. And over time, they become your soulmate. It's not a 50-50 thing. It's a 100-100 thing. Marriage is the deepest level of Christian community. It takes grace, it takes forgiveness, it takes learning to actively listen to your spouse and respond appropriately, and it takes the ability to communicate. Hey, we're gonna watch a video in just a second, and it's a couple who are trying to communicate with one another, and I wanna see if you can identify what the problem is. Watch this. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop over, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on? Do you ever feel like this in marriage? Do you think, if I could just fix this one glaring thing about my spouse, then all of our issues would disappear? Well, unfortunately, it's not like that, right? Hey, Fellowship, this wise woman sitting next to me is my wife of 25 years named Sherry, and, and 
It's, yeah, you can clap, that's good. We celebrated our 25th anniversary in May by canceling a trip to California, and so hopefully we'll be able to pull that off soon. But, uh, uh, but um, she, many of you know her, many of you don't, um, she, it's a little bit hard to get her up on stage with me. Yeah, he's right. I would rather be sitting across the table from you and having a cup of coffee, but we are passionate about marriage, and so I'm happy to do this with him this morning. So this morning, just for a few minutes, we're going to give you a glimpse into what a re-engage and merge lesson might look like. So some lessons in re-engage kind of deal with deep heart issues, things like forgiveness and grace. And in those nights, you might hear from a couple who's experienced maybe infidelity or brokenness in their marriage, and they've also experienced God's healing hand operate in that capacity. And then also there's some of our um, meetings that are more practical, like communication or conflict resolution or even emotional and physical intimacy. Yeah, together John and I lead a lesson on understanding um, your spouse and dealing with expectations in marriage. So for just a few minutes this morning, we're just going to pull back the curtain and take a peek into one of those lessons. You know, nothing has caused us more disagreement and distance in our marriage than um, unmet and unrealistic expectations and the lack of understanding. So an expectation is the belief about the way things should be or will be. Does that sound familiar? A few years ago, we had something that was kind of small turn into a big thing because of an expectation. We have this bathroom in our cabinet. It's a tall um, cabinet, and at eye level, there's a shelf, and that's where we put all of our everyday things that we use, and my stuff goes on the left, his stuff goes on the right, and his stuff just kept getting on my side, and so every day, I was pushing all of his things over, and one day, I was so frustrated. I said, why? Why do you keep putting your things on my side? And you know what his response was? I literally didn't know we had sides. Seven (laughs) years in the house, never knew we had sides. Well, so first, you must identify the expectation. And in this case, it was a preference thing. But you also have to communicate about the expectation. The expectations can come from tons of places, things like family of origin. You may have something you want to bring into your marriage um, or something you don't want to bring from your family or, or media. A lot of expectations come from media, um, whether it's movies and TV or social media. But expectations come from a lot of places. You've got to be able to identify the expectation and verbalize it. The writer of Proverbs says this about expectations. Um, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so we realized early on that communication is the key. And so we're just going to give you a few practical tips in dealing with expectations in marriage. Yes. So the first one, communicate early and communicate often. For us, this looks like me calling on the way home from work. Um, for years, we would, I would come in, and there would be all these voices in our family. We have four kids, and, and, and trying to figure out what's going on. But oftentimes, when I call, and we communicate early about the evening or the weekend, man, it put us on the same page. Same thing's true for, for just uh, doing a weekly planner or a date getaway. It puts you on the same page. And the second one is assume the best. And that simply means just taking your spouse's words at face value, not adding anything. And if you have a question, just asking um, what, what he meant by that. Because I often have felt that when a question is simple as, are you wearing that tonight? And I, so many different things are going through my head with that question. But just to, usually it's pretty simple. He's really asking, am I wearing that? Because he needs to know what he might need to wear, right? Actually, what I mean is, are you wearing that tonight? It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) 
Number three, pray together and for your spouse. And this seems really simple, but it's really hard to pull off. And nothing knits your hearts together in a marriage like prayer together. For us, what really helps is, is picking something to pray about. So a few years ago, one of our kids was going through a tough time, and we just decided, you know, we're going to get up early every morning, and we're going to pray for this particular child together. And it just knits your hearts together. And then also praying for your spouse. Nothing softens your heart for your spouse like praying for them. Ask them what you can pray for, and then just commit for a period of time praying every day for your spouse, and you'll just see how the Lord will soften your heart. And the fourth one is plan and dream together. And this is something that we do often. And to be honest, he had to teach this type A uh, detail-oriented person how to really dream and just look at the bigger picture. When we were first married, we were dreaming and planning about having kids and what that would be like. And we had toddlers in the home. We were thinking about the elementary years, you know, what we were going to teach our kids and how we were going to do that. And then more recently, we were dreaming and planning about the teenage years, which we're still in, and I feel like we've been in for a really long time. But we began to talk about how are we going to handle things such as technology? Um, what did we want the atmosphere in our home to be like? How are we going to create that? And just to plan and think ahead about those things um, just helps you be on the same page. It also creates less surprise along the way. Hey, speaking of surprise, what are we dreaming about now? Cabin on the lake. The cabin on the lake. And, and these dreams don't always come to fruition. That's the other thing I had to learn about dreams. Hey, um, in addition to understanding expectations, you need to learn to understand your spouse. And so what does that look like? So what we mean by understanding your spouse is understanding their story. So if you look up here, you understand their life experiences, their wins, their losses. Um, you understand their passions, their personality, and spiritual gifts. We have a friend who loves to run. This is not his wife's um, passion, but she might ride her bike alongside him. Or if he has a race weekend, she'll go with him, and they'll have this fun little getaway weekend. And I think that's a great way to encourage him. And if you think about your spouse's personality, one time we got in the car, and we were going out for a weekend away, and my husband put in my lap an itinerary. Now, this is not his normal. And he just knew that my personality, that really put me at ease, and I loved knowing what was ahead. So that was fun. And then also spiritual gifts. Do you know um, your spouse's spiritual gifts? Are you encouraging them to minister in those gifts? Um, and the third thing is love language. Do you know your spouse's love language? Yeah, many of you have probably heard of this. It's the Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. A lot of you probably have the book. You may even know your love language and your spouse's love language. But let me ask you the question. How are you doing at loving your spouse in their love language? It's pretty challenging, isn't it? So there's five love languages. What, what Chapman says is there's probably two, that, one or two that every person kind of gravitate toward, that, that we want to be loved in our love language. What typically happens is you love the other person in, their, in your love language. So here's the five love languages. The first one, acts of service, just doing something for your spouse that they would like. This could be cooking a meal, cleaning up. In our house, She's an acts of service kind of girl. So it's all about walking in from the garage and seeing the counters clean, the, the sink empty, and the dishwasher done. You know, a lot of times I would come in from work. Matter of fact, this happens so many times, we just laugh. I'll give her a bear, big bear hug, and I'll start to walk off, and she says, hey, that does nothing for me, but I'll tell you what does something for me, and she opens up the dishwasher. I sound like a lot of fun, right? <laughs> um, the second one is physical touch, just like he was talking about. This one's obvious, just holding hands, hugging, sitting close, physical intimacy. These are all important to the person who physical touch is their love language. 
Yeah. And then number three is words of affirmation. It's simply what it is. It's just saying kind things to your spouse, things that will lift them up. We went through a rough patch in our marriage a while back, and my wife used words to literally lift me up. The, the grace that she showed, the forgiveness that she showed, the leadership that she showed through her words, instead of putting us into a downward spiral with what negative words would have done, she actually lifted up and put wind in my sail, and it is actually incredible for our marriage. The fourth one is gifts. And to this person, they just want to know that they were thought about and valued. I don't think it's so much about the money that's spent, but just the thought. Um, And the fifth one is quality time, just um, undivided attention, which is very tough in our society today with everything vying for our attention. But it might look like taking a walk together or maybe putting your phones away for the evening and just being able to look at each other and talk and listen. Yeah, so a great way to apply a marriage ministry talk um, would be to go home and figure out each other's love languages and then start to love each other in their love language. Uh, there, there's, a, there's an app out there now called the Love Nudge. Now, I know it sounds like a bad dating app, and I promise it's not. So if you see it on your spouse's phone, it's not a bad thing. But it, you can, on it, you can take a uh, quiz and see what your love languages are and what your spouse's are, and then and it, it'll nudge you towards loving them well. And so just a great application for today. Yeah, marriage, I feel like, is much like your walk with the Lord. You're always moving in one direction or the other. Either you're moving to a deeper relationship by the things you're doing, the things you're watching and listening to, the conversations you're having, or even the way you're spending your time, or you're moving away. So let's make a choice today and move towards our spouse. That might look like reading a book together, or like he was talking about, looking up your love languages and talking through that, or even signing up for Reengage. Hey, so we heard from a couple that had been through Merge earlier. Now we want you to hear through a, from a couple that have been through Reengage. Not only have they been through it, they're actually leaders now. So watch this. We've been attending fellowship since 2007. I, I believe we were one of the couples that officially joined nine years after being here. We went to test waters, feel good about it. And what really, really set it up was the kids that week after we visited, they were so excited about the ministry. And it was one of those things you just started to feel like home. Then as we started to serve with Simon Foster and um, just the different people in the Rogers community and growing together, that part of fellowship and that part of church really started to inspire us about what our relationship, not only with each other was within our family, but also with God. How do we continue to grow? Not only with this church, but in our community, and in our family. So we signed up for re-engage with our community group and um, felt like it was a great way to grow a marriage that was already in a really good place, but um, we wanted to just see where where it would go. And through re-engage, we felt like it asked questions that would not come up in daily life, but yet we really appreciated the depth that we got to go into. The time we got to spend together focusing solely on us and the growing and staying in your circle, which is part of re-engage, uh, I definitely struggled with, but um, but it was really good for us to have the opportunity to just just focus on our relationship and our marriage. And as we went through it, um, 16 weeks is a huge commitment, but we feel like this is the the best place to put a you know a commitment like that is in our marriage and relationship with each other. You know, Jimmy asked me one time, he was like, hey, I need you to describe what re-engage is. I was like, absolutely, meat grinder. There is nothing easy about it. But if you think about a meat grinder, 
what comes out of it? It comes out purified, it comes out better, it comes out pliable, comes out easy to work with. 16 weeks of hard, emotional, deep conversations. You know, it just inspired us, not only as we went through it with our community group, we were like, we wanna be a part of this ministry. We wanna help not only people we know, but people we don't know to experience what we've been able to experience. One of my favorite things that we did in our um, our re-engage group was everybody wrote a letter to their spouse. And um, it was just a really sweet way to thank our spouse for the opportunity of going through this together and putting a focus on our marriage. Everybody kind of decided when to give it to them and a lot of them went for Christmas as, as a Christmas present, as a thank you. And there's nothing nothing better than a love letter from your spouse. We actually said when we came out of it, that was such a great experience that in a few years, we would want to take it again and see what we learned, what what we had growth on from the first time, and then what challenges we were facing the next time around. Because with life, everything keeps changing, and uh, this covenant is the most important thing for us. We had a good marriage going in. We had a great marriage coming out because like when you take your car to a mechanic, it may be driving fine, but there may be some things that need to be done because of that mileage that you get on it. You need that maintenance on your on it. And this is the exact same thing. Reengage is for everybody in every set of life that they have. You will benefit from it. But it's like anything. You're gonna get in what you put out, you know, and, and if you get into it and you're like, hey, I'm here to improve my marriage and to improve the person I love and I have this covenant with, you're gonna get a lot out of it. Hey, so Fellowship, the only appropriate way to end a service like this is to bring our marriage ministry leaders up here. So um, in addition to being community pastors in Rogers, both Simon and Jimmy lead our marriage ministry. And uh, Simon heads up Merge, Jimmy heads up Reengage. But before we get into that, real quick, Jimmy, you know, you leading that last song, um, you kind of like Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. You've seen Johnny Cash before, something? Maybe, maybe Walk the Line. That'd be a good marriage song, wouldn't it? Negative. Okay, just kidding. So anyway, they lead our marriage ministries here at Fellowship and obviously have some other talents as well. But um, Simon, uh, who would you say mar- Merge is for? Yeah, so Merge is for if you are seriously dating or engaged, Merge is for you. And I, here's what it is. It's an eight-week premarital counseling experience, and what's so great about it is you get to, you get to be a part of, for eight weeks, you and the person that you really care about, you get to see, do we want to take this the distance toward marriage? And it will either do one of three things. It will, one, it will either help you see that we need to pause and we need to seek more counseling, or you may break up, or it'll move you further, more confident about the foundation you have in Jesus Christ and the foundation you have with each other. So that's why Merge is worth signing up for. Um, and it actually kicks off, the next session kicks off February 21st. So, Very good. So Jimmy, who's re for? Well, Jeremy and Kristen said it very well in that video. The re-engage experience is designed to meet each couple where they're at and then help them take the next step in their journey to oneness. And so that means whether your marriage is in a healthy place and you just need some encouragement, some intentionality, or your marriage is struggling and it's broken and you need some healing and you need some help, Reengage is for you. It's really good, really good. So, so what can someone, if they're gonna show up to Reengage, 
what can they expect uh, from showing up? Yeah. So in a typical Sunday evening at Reengage, you're gonna show up to the family center across the hall here, and we're gonna gather as a large group and hear a teaching or a testimony from a couple. And then we would typically break up into small groups, and then you'd engage with your small group and share stories and work through the content together. Now, in light of COVID, we've had to flex and adapt like every ministry and every business and organization, and we're no different. Uh, we've captured those teachings and testimonies on video so that small groups can be more flexible in how they, in how they engage. And we're hoping, hoping, praying that, that soon we can resume our, uh, that experience, the large group and small group experience. Um, but until then, we're able to move forward. And we just want it, every bit of it to be a safe and honest place to share and, and process uh, marriage highs and lows and really life. It's a discipleship ministry at the heart. Very good. Hey, Simon, who's yeah. Merge for? Yeah, so with Merge, you're either virtually doing Merge or you're at the church on campus or you're in a home group doing Merge. Here's what you'll have. You'll have two or three couples in the exact same season of life with you in your group. You'll have a mentor couple, just like you saw with Justin and Lauren Davis. Uh, they will be guiding you through the eight-week experience. Uh, you'll also have, here's what it looks like. You'll have teaching content and curriculum that you'll go through each week. You'll take that content, you'll bring it into your small group and have discussions with the other couples, and then you'll have homework every week. And the homework is you and your partner working through questions together. And I really believe if you Put the hard work in now, before you get married, it will be a huge advantage to you when you're married. So you start with hard work to get to a better spot in your foundation. And so I'd also say, if you draw the circle around yourself, and then you go through the eight-week process, and your partner does the same thing, draws a circle around themselves, and you keep learning more about yourself, it will benefit you so much uh, as you pursue the next step of marriage. And so... Yeah, I mean, that, that right there is what it looks like in a nutshell, and that's what the process looks like. And Mason and Julia from that video, it's fun to see how it benefited them for me. Okay, so you've almost got us. It was your last chance to do a good sales pitch, but you've almost got us, but it's a big commitment. Eight weeks for merge, 16 weeks for, for re-engage. I want you both to answer this question. Simon, you go first. Okay. Why should I not only commit to coming, but fully invest myself? Yeah. Why should you fully engage? And I would just say... That one, you paid $85. There you have it. You paid money. Why COVID not? COVID discount? <laughs> no COVID discount. Zero discount. You got to put skin in the game. It's worth it. I promise. So $85 per couple, that's what you paid. Um, to, so you paid with resources. Now you get this opportunity to pay with fully being focused and present. And so I would just say this. Um, for Merge, if you go all in with the teaching content, the small group time, you reach out to your mentor couples to ask questions and use that resource. You do the homework together. Um, Mason and, and Julia said it well in the video. They said, hey, we went all in and we wanted more. And they just tasted something that was good and they wanted a senior level class of merge, which we do not have, but we do have community groups. And they wanted to move into the next step of community group. And um, I just see those two being able to have a healthy marriage because they're doing it with community, they're doing it with mentors, they're doing it together, and they're hungry to learn and teachable. And so I see them having a great marriage 
And it's going to be hard. We all know that. And that's why we have Jimmy being able to take it from the next step of re-engage and do what I'm trying to do in the first stage. Same question for you. So one thing that I can tend to struggle with with my marriage is just being passive. And if there's something that I've realized through being involved with marriage ministry and re-engage both personally and walking through life with couples is that a healthy marriage uh, doesn't just happen by accident. And so it takes intentionality, it takes hard work, and it takes humility from both spouses and a commitment to, to humbly seek God together. And so, uh, you know, I just say and echo what, what everyone has said to this point that, um, you know, you're gonna get out of it what you put into it tenfold. Um, you know, I would also say that, you know, John, you taught from God's word, the, the big picture of marriage. And, and really, when we get down to the why, of why you should do this, uh, you know, the oneness and intimacy that God desires for, for each of us in our marriage, um, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not even intended to be the end and of itself. It's for a purpose. And that purpose is to point to the glory, the goodness, the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just like a window is something that you don't look to, but you look through it. Likewise, our marriages were intended to be something that when people look upon it and they see our failures, how messy our lives are, and our greatest triumphs in life, that it points to a beautiful picture of redemption and the gospel and the love that a savior has for his church, his bride. And so I think that's a beautiful picture. And at, at the end of the day, that's, that's the goal. And I think that's a pretty motivating reason. Hey, can, I, can I say one last thing about that? You triggered this thought. Um, these two together, um, the pre-game and then you're in the game, working those two together, you're not alone. And that's what excites me the most that we can even offer these is that you've got yourself, drawing the circle around yourself, and you're trying to follow Jesus and how can you grow. You've got your partner working through it. You've got community, a small group that you're working it through, and you've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doing a work in you, all of that combined, um, we gotta do this type of stuff together, fellowship. As you can see, these guys are a little bit passionate about marriage, and because we wanna be a church where marriages don't just survive, they actually thrive. And we wanna be a church in Northwest Arkansas that all Northwest Arkansas knows that, hey, if you need marriage help, just show up at Fellowship on a Sunday night and we will get you help. God bless you, Fellowship. Have a great week. If you need prayer, stop by the prayer room or if you're online, just click the button. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week.